What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast with our special series on the Fastest Known Time of the Year Awards. Last week, we did the number five, number four, and number three fastest known times of the year. And today on this podcast, we'll do the number two and the number ones. This particular series is made possible by La Sportiva, a company with a 90-year history of producing the best mountain gear for climbing, running, hiking, and skiing. In fact, La Sportiva shoes have been used to set the FKTs that were used by many of the people on this podcast. Go to Sportiva.com or go to your local running or mountaineering shop to check them out in person yourself. So we're going to start counting down, finishing our countdown with the number two FKT of the year. And uh, we'll always start with the female. And so the number two this year is Taylor Nowlin, who did the rim to rim to rim in Arizona, about 43 miles. And it took her seven hours, 25 minutes, and 58 seconds. And we're fortunate to have Taylor on the line right now. So congratulations, Taylor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So number two female FKT of the year. Uh, that's uh, And you went after this. This is a fast time. Yeah, it was definitely stout, especially after Ida took it down by like a half hour. So I, I headed out there really feeling like I had my work cut out for me. You did. And Rim to Rim, is, to Rim has become one of the classics. Indeed, in 2016, it was the number two male FKT of the year. And then last year, it was the number two uh, female FKT of the year. And that, of course, was Cat Bradley. And as you just mentioned, Ida went out there and took a chunk off of that. And then Sandy Nightpaver came up less than, you know, three minutes short. And then just three days after that, you came back and uh, knocked it down. <laughs> yeah, I think we were all coming off pretty similar situations, having planned on running TNS and then finding ourselves with no race to run. So um, it, it kind of fits that we all ended up going after this big iconic FKT instead. And oh. I feel really excited and honored that I got to do it with um some some fast ladies at about the same time. It almost felt like we were racing against each other. <laughs> right. Well, uh, with the cancellation of the TNF 50, uh, uh, Claire Gallagher went out on TransZion, and then Ida, Sandy, and you went to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Now, yeah, the, the Grand Canyon is interesting because Monster Vert, spectacular place, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. And then in terms of FKT action, it's minimal, if not no navigation. 
but it's fast. I mean, you're, it's, it's almost like a time trial now, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's a long time trial, but <laughs> I guess compared to like doing long scrambles in the mountains that take, you know, days, it, it is relatively fast. And there's definitely no like navigation involved. It's a pretty direct, easy to follow route, um, which is nice if you just kind of want to cruise. Right. Cruise or hammer, as the case may be. So, <laughs> yeah. so tell us, Taylor, you're, you're a relative newcomer, if I may say so. Ida is you know, one of the best known in the world. So how, do, how, did, how did you feel about this? Did you expect to go under her time and Kat's time? Or was it a surprise to you? Or to Put yourself in perspective. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was... Uh, so I was planning on doing like going for the rim to rim to rim FKT as soon as TNF got canceled and Ida and Sandy just happened to like get there and actually like do it before I did. And I felt like that made it more intimidating to me, especially after watching Ida's attempt, because it was, I mean, she just took so much time off like the old FKT and I, I really, um, yeah, I, I just, I felt like it was going to be pretty tough to diff, like beat hers. And I I felt like I could do it if I had a good day and a lot of things, you know, went the way that I wanted them to, which there's just like so many factors that make the running in the canyon hard and very unpredictable. Um, and I was able to do that. I felt like quite a few things like lined up well for me. And I was just excited to like get out there and have a good experience from start to finish. Right. That's interesting. Instead of uh, just kind of following one another, you were playing doing it all along. It was just coincidence that they did it before you. So rather than saying, okay, now I have a time to beat, it was like, whoa, now, now it's pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just kept getting like more and more impressive and, um, yeah, I mean, like I said before, I was definitely intimidated by Ida's time. I obviously really, really respect her as an athlete, and seeing that she was able to do what she did out there was really inspiring to me. Yeah, so I just did the best I could <laughs> to get close to her, and I happened to beat it by a few minutes, which was amazing. Right. Well, she had taken 23 minutes off of Kat's time, and you came in three, yeah. min three minutes, 18 under Ida's time. So it's starting to get a little close there. So how do you see this going in the future? Do you think this can come down further? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know I've said it in the past, but I really think that the Women's Canyon record could go under seven hours. I have no plans on like doing that myself, but I just really think there's so much talent in the women's ultra running community right now that I really think that someone could go out there and knock it down even faster. And I would be totally cheering on whoever goes for that. Well, you mentioned that uh, you had to dig deep. I'm quoting you, pardon me. Uh, you had to dig deep those last 800 meters, which means, wow, this is, uh, you know, over 43 miles. If you're digging deep the last 800 meters, you're, you're getting after it. Yeah, I mean, I would. I feel like I was honestly digging deep the whole time. It's it's a really really difficult effort. I would say like mentally, it's really tough in the beginning, um, just because it's a it's such a formidable canyon. It's so big. It's so intimidating. I chose to run it without pacers, so I was solo for most of my run, and 
um, yeah, so I, I would really say it was hard from, from start to finish, but the climb back out on the second go around is probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in terms of running efforts. It's just so sustained and you're already so tired. And um, I was having some issues with like my vision because it was really cold. And I remember I couldn't, I couldn't read my watch um, at all for like the second half of the run. So I didn't really know where I was relative to like the other times. And so I was just trying to push myself as hard as I could you know, on that day, feeling the way I was feeling. So it was nerve wracking for me because I really didn't know, like, am I going to get this thing? Am I going to be way off? Um, so that was like this really interesting aspect for me to just kind of battle with mentally and be like, you know what, regardless of what happens, I just want to give it my all right now. Wow, that's an interesting perspective because sometimes when in an FKT effort, if someone's going after someone just did it, they have a time to shoot for. We've seen that in the Appalachian Trail, for example. And so you had a time to shoot for, but you didn't know what you were doing because you couldn't even read your watch. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I feel like everyone has, you know, it's fastest known. Like everybody has the benefit of knowing the time of who went before them and, um, so, you know, obviously that was an advantage that I got as well. But, yeah, I, I really wasn't sure how close I was to it. I was running for feel for most of the most of the experience. And you did it with no pacers. That is correct. Yeah. So Nico Braza actually started running with me down the canyon. Um, I think we were together for maybe like 800 meters from like coming from the south rim down um, and then I received crew at the North Rim. And then when I came back to Phantom Ranch, Nico was there, crewed me there. And then I ran out um, for maybe another 800 meters or so with him. And then when I finished, I actually ran into um, Jim Walmsley and Jess Brazo, who were like, just happened to be on like a fun run um, in the canyon. And so they like cheered me on towards the top. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have any like official Pacers. Got it. Well, that's a very strong effort because over seven hours, almost seven and a half hours, you, you got to be on yourself and you had a, a touch of moral support, so to speak, along the way, plus aid stop on the North Rim. Otherwise, yeah, you had to stay really focused. Now, do you live in Flagstaff? Yeah, yeah. So um, Nico and I live together in Flagstaff and that's conveniently like 90 minutes away from the canyon. Um, which is awesome because it's obviously such an incredible place to train and I really need to get there more. I, I only think I've probably ran there like maybe six or seven times despite living so close. So the canyon was like, or like when I actually went for the rim to rim attempt, I, I, I think I still haven't run in the canyon like more than 10 times. Um, so I feel like I'm still kind of a newcomer and getting to know it. But yeah, I'm relatively close. Yeah. Well, good for you. And of course, uh, Jim, along with uh, the, the other cowboys, did an FKT on the Rim to Rim to Rim Alt, which is down on the Bass Trail. So it sounds like you yeah. might have some more uh, Grand Canyon uh, trips in your future. I should certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything in specific? Uh, what, what are your plans for 2019, if I may ask? Yeah, sure. So, well, I really, really hope to make it to TNF 50 this year. I've never run that race and I'm hoping that it doesn't get canceled in 2019. So um, I would hope to finish my season off there. 
Um, but I'm kicking things off with the formidable 50K um, in February. So that's actually my first event. I'm hoping to get um, abroad and do some racing, but I don't really have anything solidified yet. I know Zagama has definitely like caught my eye. Um, same with the Ring of Steel race. So we'll see about that. And yeah, I'd love to return to Lake Sonoma again. So I plan on being there. That was an incredible experience for me in 2018. And yeah, I'm going to do bike races too. Bike races. Okay. Excellent, Taylor. Well, congratulations again on your rim to rim to rim run and the number two fastest known time of the year for 2018. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Wes. And now for the number two FKT of the year, this time for the males, we have Aurelian Sanchez on the John Muir Trail, unsupported. He did this 223-mile route in three days, three hours, 55 minutes, and 10 seconds. And, of course, the John Muir Trail is one of the premier FKT routes in the United States. And we have Aurelian on the phone right now. Welcome and congratulations, Aurelian. Thanks, Buzz. Thanks for having me. Definitely. So you did it, the JMT unsupported, which means you carried all your own uh, food, water, of course, you pick up along the way, no crew, but mm. you took it seven hours off the uh, previous unsupported FKT. And amazingly, you were the second fastest overall time behind only Francois from 2017. So if we're going unsupported, you did this very fast. <laughs> yeah, um, I was even surprised myself when I when I finished because that was not really the plan. Um, I planned to take more rest on the way, but um, I didn't feel the need uh, when I was out there. So I was just moving, and then at the end I was like, uh, "Wow, I mean, I'm uh, I'm seven hours ahead of schedule." And for me, I was just wanted to be one hour, and then it was fine. And yeah, I was gladly surprised at the end. Wow, you surprised yourself. Well, the story behind this is kind of interesting because you had dnf just eight days prior you went out and gave it a shot you came up short and you came back on minimal rest and uh had a great run yeah yeah so um i didn't plan to do it twice uh, my plan was to to give everything um end of august when i did my first attempt and i'd failed um the, the issue is um when i was doing that i was really feeling like i was gonna get it at some point and i was already focusing towards uh, next year i knew i was gonna go go back at it and um i was starting to, to to think about the training the weather the permit system and everything and i was already feeling recovered physically and i was like yeah let's give it another shot and maybe you won't have to think about it another year and um yeah so i just went back at it from eight days after i was feeling uh, great surprisingly so I, i'm glad i did it <laughs> well indeed you extremely successful now quick note you live in phoenix and obviously the JMT has some elevation. So how did you manage to train effectively living in Phoenix? Yeah, that was a challenge. So there is some hills around Phoenix, but since I had to do big trainings, um, usually I was going to Grand Canyon because it's uh, it's gorgeous out there and it's very easy to train because I, I'm not counting the hours and the number of miles I'm doing out there. So I was just doing repeats on the Bright Angel Trail um and in the area so i was going there every weekend uh, or so and then in the week i was just doing some easy run in in phoenix just to keep in shape wow remarkable and i also note that uh 
you know, the fastest overall time was just set last October by Francois Dion. And you, of course, are native French as well. So look at this. The JMT is number one and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I hope um, I'm not uh, making the American angry and uh, they don't, don't, don't want to fight me back the, <laughs> the record so, so toughly. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, when, I, when Francois was here last year, I, I went with him. Uh, I went to see him on the trail when he was doing his attempt. And it was great to learn from him because he has a team and he's a professional. So I was very impressed about the way he did it. And I think he gave me some inspiration also for, uh, for doing it myself and supported. That's remarkable. Did he give you congratulations after he heard about your unsupported FKT? Yeah, yeah I received an email from him. So, so that was nice from him, yeah. Oh, well, that's terrific. That's terrific. Well, the, uh, the, the native French people are, are making quite a mark here in the United States because Francois is going to be at Hard Rock this year. So yeah. uh, do, do, do you have any plans yourself or to do any of the, the bigger races? No. So you, um, at the beginning, I was not really a racer. I, ne I never raced. I was more like a hiker and I was planning to to do the Barclay Marathon in Tennessee. So that's why I did the FKT. I was trying to have some credentials towards this goal. And, um, and yeah, no, this year I don't have anything scheduled yet, just hiking and maybe some other FKT, but nothing fixed yet. Wow, the Barclay could get, if uh, <laughs> if Laz lets in all our FKT people, the Barclay's going to get real competitive. You're about the third FKT of the year award winner said they want to get into Barclay this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is many people. It's very attractive, so yeah. Well, here's an interesting aspect about your trip. Uh, when I'm reading your description on Facebook and, of course, on the FastKnownTime.com website, you you kind of hung it out there. It, it seems that you almost did this basically by not sleeping, and you were kind of on the rivet. Would you like to just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I, I didn't plan to do that at the beginning because I think planning not to sleep is a very dangerous plan. <laughs> so I was planning to have some nap after 24 hours, uh, but the thing is, I was just not able to sleep because of uh, of the weather. It was just too cold and windy, and I was listening to the river next to me, and I, I always had something bothering me. And I was just laying on the on the trail with uh, without a sleeping bag or without anything, so that was not really comfortable. And I guess I was not um, exhausted enough to get some sleep. So after 30 minutes, every time I, I was like, "Yeah, just keep moving. I mean, you got some rest already, and just keep moving." So um, I, I did that for. 50 hours, I think. But then I really took um, a three-hour nap before the last night because I knew it was going to be challenging for the sleep deprivation. I was expecting to face again some uh, some uh, tough moments. So then I was able to take about two hours, three hours sleep because I was really exhausted. But still, it was very windy, a little bit cold, and then sunny. And I don't know. I, I need to be in a very comfortable position to sleep, and I was not. And um, and also, I was taking some caffeine pills um, to stay awake. And I think that helped me a little bit. And um, and yeah, uh, I, I didn't have much with me. I didn't have much gear, clothes, or anything. So by night, I was very cold. And I didn't have any choice to keep moving. So I think that helped me also. <laughs> well, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. So you did not plan to go uh, so nonstop. It just it was cold. It was windy. You didn't have the gear, so you just kept yeah. going. Does this mean that you did the whole thing on three hours of sleep? Yes, I think so. I was trying to count, but I don't really remember sometimes. But uh, yeah, I calculated it was about three hours total. But I, I was take I was planning to take some sleep in the daytime. Uh, I was 
planning to work straight uh, full night. But daytime, when the sun was rising again, I was feeling awake again every time. And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sleep now. It's daytime and let's keep moving. And um, after two days, obviously, I was tired and I was able to sleep about two hours. Um, but yeah, I mean, the sleep depri deprivation got me back in the end, but not too bad. So it was OK. <laughs> and do you feel that you have recovered? Uh, do you mean now? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. It took me a little bit of a while after my second attempt, um, between one month and two months. But by end of November, I was okay. Okay, good. So yeah. our, our, our last question then is, what's next for you? You said you might want to try to get into Barclay. Anything else on your horizon? Uh, not specifically. I'm investigating on a few possibilities. Um, maybe I'm going to give it a shot again to the Tower Rim Trail, uh, FKT, that I tried last summer, but I failed twice. Um, but that's not for sure yet. And then I'm also investigating on a Grand Canyon through hike um, from end-to-end, -end, from Lee's Ferry to Pierce Ferry. But that's a very big project, and I'm right now in the investigation phase, so we'll see if it's going to happen or not. Wow. And then, yeah, my main goal is a Barclay, uh, hopefully next year, and we'll see. By next year and Barclay, do you mean this year or 2020? Um, I think 2020 will be uh, most likely. I think for this year it's going to be difficult because there is uh, many applicants, and I don't feel like uh, I'll be lucky enough to be uh, to be in this year. But if, if that happens, that would be great for sure. But, um, yeah, 2020 would be great already. Well, terrific. And the Tahoe Rim Trail, that FKT, of course, is held by Killian Jornet. So you you, you you have some tough competition in the FKTs you're going after. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't have any background in ultra running. I, I didn't do any race or anything. So I feel like it's difficult to 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 show to last for the Barclays that I deserve a spot or anything. So I think I need to to do something meaningful uh, to to show him that I'm dedicated and that I'm I'm really committed towards this and and that's my way of doing. I think the John Muir was really meaningful to me and that's why I worked very hard and and finally I was able to do it. And I think like I just have to keep working towards that towards this goal and doing other meaningful things to me. Well, we, in, our, in our estimation and that of the, the 22 voters, you are the number two male FKT of the year award winner for 2018. So I think wow. uh, they, they have uh, confirmed your abilities here with your unsupported time being the second fastest time ever on the John Muir Trail. Yeah, that's great. I'm very, I'm very grateful for the voters because um, this was an unsupported um and the ever. Uh, it was very difficult. I was planning and preparing that all by myself. And it's glad to, to be able finally to share this experience and to see that other people are uh, kind of getting inspired or recognize that um, it was hard work and it was kind of meaningful. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. It's very, very nice. Congratulations again, Aurelian. And please keep us informed of what you do on the next couple of years. Okay. I'll definitely do for sure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Beth. I'd like to remind everyone that this podcast is brought to us by La Sportiva, the company with a 90-year history of producing the best mountain gear for running, climbing, skiing, and hiking. In fact, La Sportiva shoes have been used to set the FKTs by many of the people we have uh, who have won awards for the FKT of the year. 
So go to their website at uh, La Sportiva or Sportiva.com or any of the running or climbing shops in your area. Okay, we've done the number two FKT of the year award winners, and now we're moving into the number ones. And a little pattern has emerged here. Uh, a lot of the people so far are from the Western U.S. Actually, all of the top 10 selections so far have been from the Western U.S. plus one from the Midwest. However, the two FKT of the year award winners are both did them in the East. So for our female FKT of the year award winner is Alyssa Godeski, who did the long trail in Vermont, which is 273 miles in five days, two hours and 37 minutes. And we just got Alyssa on the phone. Congratulations, Alyssa. Thank you so much. I'm I'm super excited. I have to admit, I have goosebumps. I feel a little bit like this is like the the Oscars maybe of of FKTs or something, or maybe the Critics Choice Awards. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Well, it is. So are you wearing a beautiful gown right now? I think probably the equivalent for trail running terms, you know, my usual running outfit. So okay. yes. Of okay. Course. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, this is a podcast, so we, we, we can't see your running outfit, but we, we can read what you did. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, there is, you know, terrific action for 2018. And the voters, uh, it was just a very, very fair voting process. And you came up number one. And uh, I think I'll, I'll read what a few of them said. You can give your comments. Part of it was that the previous FKT was held by Nikki Kimball. So anyone who beats Nikki Kimball was considered pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I have earned a little bit of respect in that sense. Um, you know, and Nikki grew up in Vermont, too. And so, you know, she was an East Coaster, I think, born and bred. And so I am pleased that, you know, I was still able to kind of represent East Coast stuff with that, um, even though I did beat her record. Right. No, no one came in and poached it from Colorado or California. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now you're, you get a little different background though. You're a, you are a professional triathlete, triathlete. And I recall your little joke, your little one liner on your website is a professional triathlete with an ultra runner habit. Yes. And so I do hope that, you know, I think I did just pure by coincidence, uh, this FKT at a time when you guys had, just launched the new site. I think a lot of traction was kind of being gained for attention towards FKTs and that sort of thing. And so I think being a, you know, my main sport of triathlon and going for it hopefully has exposed it to even a wider audience. And I just hope that that story has encouraged all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds to go after this stuff because, you know, my, my story is really about the preparation and the work behind it. And it's not necessarily about having to match you know, the resume of the runner who has the record before you. Right. So for, it was the process. And we, we've gotten that with a number of the people have commented that the process is what was most important to them. Sure. I think the, you know, learn, you learn so much about yourself while you're in the moment. Um, but when it's a record that is day after day, you, that requires, you know, months, if not years of prep to go into that. And I think recognizing that journey and that process of what made you strong enough to get the record is is so important and that's definitely the highlight of of it all 
let's let people know a little bit about the Long Trail. It's one of the original trails. The construction started in 1910, and it uh, bisects the length of, the, of Vermont going from Massachusetts border to Canada. And I've been on it numerous times, and it's not the entirety, but parts of it. It's 273 miles long. And what gets my attention, I'm from Colorado, of course, is two things. One is that there are no switchbacks. Out west, all the trails were built by stock animals, horses and other pack animals. In the east, you didn't have that. And so everything just goes straight up and straight back down. And then secondly, you might have noticed this, all the flat sections are mud fests. Oh, I definitely noticed that. <laughs> I think it would be impossible not to, but the, you know, that is definitely one of the distinguishing features, I think, of uh, the long trail and kind of East Coast terrain in general in a lot of places is it's quite rugged and that makes it so much more of a challenge at times. And I think for records and FKTs that it does kind of add an element of luck with the weather and how that's going to affect the rugged terrain you do have to cross. Right. Well, people look at the uh, the elevation, and which is sort of moderate. I mean, you're going to get go over Mount Mansfield, the highest mountain in Vermont. You go over all the, the big summits in Vermont, and you get up to I think it's five thousand feet, which you know Boulder is higher than that, and yet the vert is there, and it's very steep vert. It's really punchy climbs. It is. It's it's a totally different type of terrain, and I admittedly you know, haven't done much trail running in Colorado or even too much out West either. So, um, but when I have, it's always, it's just, you know, you don't have to pay quite as much attention to where your footing is and you will find more switchbacks and things like that for, for that. But as rugged as the terrain is for the long trail, the Green Mountain Club does such a phenomenal job uh, all season of maintaining that trail and getting communication out to you where things may or may not be quite as good. And I have said before that I got quite lucky that they had just kind of went through some of the wilderness areas and cleaned those up a little bit from the winter right before I, I made my run. So I am definitely grateful for the support of the Green Mountain Club doing what they do up in Vermont. It's it's phenomenal. Excellent. Now, you were on our podcast a couple months ago, so any listener who wants to know a little bit more about you can easily go back and, and get, a, get a longer interview with you, which is very interesting. And what you said at that time is the long trail was the hardest thing you had ever done. And you've done, you know, back-to-back tri, uh, Ironman length triathlons on successive weekends, I think on different continents. So how is this harder? Uh, I mean, five days, obviously that's hard, but give us a little insider scoop on that. Yeah, I've had now a little bit more time since the podcast to kind of reflect on what exactly that is. And I always talk about how, you know, in an Ironman race or other ultras I've done, I had always gone into those expecting low moments. And then I knew I had the tools within myself kind of to pull myself out of those low moments and get myself back on track and and feeling better. And on the long trail, I, you know, I expected obviously to have plenty of lows there as well. And it was definitely the first time where I had encountered a low where I, I didn't know how to pull, you know, I hadn't yet had given myself really the tools to be able to pull myself out of that. And that was part of the reason that I'm so grateful for the phenomenal crew that I had with me, because I think 
there were definitely several moments where I had to rely on them and their strength and them just purely their physical beings being there in support of me to keep my feet moving one in front of the other towards the end of, of that run. And so I, you know, I think as I've thought back as to what it was really that made me get into such a place where I didn't have, you know, the awareness and the tools to get myself back out yet. And I think a lot of that, you know, I always kind of go back to the sleep deprivation and that's such a, an interesting state of just existing as a human where, you know, I especially love my sleep. I love to get eight or nine hours a night. And so to be pushing myself physically at that level with that lack of sleep really combined to this new level that I had never felt before. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested in finding ways to get myself back into kind of a state like that to see if now having experienced it once and having tossed around some ideas in my head of, you know, how to maybe push that feeling out a little bit longer and get through that and that sort of thing. If, if I'd be able to, you know, make it a little prettier, I think next time to be able to pull through that. Sleep deprivation is its own skill set, isn't it? It really is. And I think it's been shown that some people are, you know, better or worse with it. Um, but I do, I think like anything physical, it's still very, very mental. And a lot of the things that we face in races and FKTs, you know, it's it's scary when you get to that point that you, you mentally haven't faced before. Um, but then a lot of times you get to that point again, the next race or the next run and you've been there before. So it's a little less scary. So I'm hoping some of that comes into play too, uh, because I do think, you know, I lasted that long pretty well. And I, so I, I tend to think I, I do okay with sleep deprivation. It's just getting up the nerve maybe to test myself again somehow. <laughs> right. It's not something you're going to do on the following weekend. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> now, last time we talked, you said you were interested in Barclay, which of course is famed for its sleep deprivation. Uh, what's that looking like now? You know, that's definitely still on my radar. Uh, as all people out there know, the entry process is quite competitive and a little bit secretive too. So, uh, you know, I'll be kind of keeping that in my sights as I just continue. I want to keep running on the trails and building my resume for that. So to make sure that, you know, if I am given an opportunity one of these years coming up that I have the training behind me. So um, that's on my radar. And actually this year I am actually focusing a little bit on trying to get some points to get into the UTMB lottery or, or maybe qualify that way too. So um, after doing the long trail, I think, UTMB kind of grew on my bucket list as a race I'd like to to see how I could do. Wow. So the ultra running habit is becoming more than a habit. It certainly is. I think it's a, uh, you know, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more of a habit these days. And um, it's hard to, once you get it in you, um, it's hard to convince me to get off the trail. So I'm, I'm sticking around for a little while longer. <laughs> well, congratulations, Alyssa. The, uh, FKT of the Year Award winner, female, for 2018. And of course, as you're probably aware, and just to make everyone aware, the award winners don't actually win anything, just to be clear. Everyone wins the respect of their peers. And the whole purpose of doing this is to build community. So people hear your stories, you can share your stories in your own words, and then people can hear it and be inspired by it. So I just want, 
I think you know this, but I want everyone to know that that is the purpose of this little process is just to build community. Yeah, and, and thank you guys for everything you do. You know, this voting and awards, you know, the aside, um, the community that you are building with this sport of its own, really, and the FKTs and the exposure and just getting people out there, finding the routes in their backyards is really, really awesome. And it's been fun to be a part of and, and watch from the outside as it grows. So thank you guys very much. Excellent. Thank you. And congratulations, Alyssa. I look forward to keeping in touch. And so uh, make sure you let us know and put it on fastestknowntime.com, uh, fastestknown your next project. I will. I'll keep you guys posted. Thank you. Well, we're ending the Fastest Known Time of the Year Award Special Edition with the number one FKT of the Year for male. And if you've been tracking this, you might be guessing who it is. Uh, we've gone through the number four, five, four, three, two, and now the number one. You might be able to guess because this person didn't not only called in on time for this uh, recording, but he called in early. So if you've guessed Carol Sabe, who did the Appalachian Trail uh, this fall, 2,189 miles, and he broke the previous record by four days. You guessed correctly, and Carol called in from Belgium. Thank you, Carol. Yeah, thanks, uh, Buzz, for uh, having me again. And um, yeah, um, it's the first that I hear that I uh, have the FKT of the Year award, so it's uh, awesome to hear. <laughs> of course, it does make me uh, proud uh, to hear something like that. Well, you came. You were the uh, Belgian dentist. Is was your little uh, your your nickname there? Indeed, you are. And you came over uh, from Belgium and really knocked it out of the park. The Appalachian Trail, of course, is very competitive. A lot of very famous names on it. And you mm -hmm. took more than four days off the previous time. Yeah, um, I think as I said during the the FKT podcast we had before, um, I think it really was my um, experience from running the PCT uh, two years before um, that made a huge difference. And then uh, we had a good plan. The crew was amazing, and and uh, everything worked out really well, so we, we didn't only break it, but we really um, broke it by, by four days, which was uh, way more than what we were hoping for, uh, and we, we were so happy that uh, everything went safe and, and good uh, as it went. Your time was 41 days, 7 hours, and 39 minutes, and I made that little joke here at the start and that uh, you not only called into this podcast on time, but a few minutes early. And indeed, that's one of the things that you demonstrated, one of the techniques, because you noted that some of the other FKT holders were coming into camp at night. They're using a headlamp. They're a little tired, maybe a little hungry. And you did it the opposite. You got up early in the morning. You got started early. You got it done. And then when you arrived in camp at the end of your day, you were you came in well fed, rested, and hydrated. Yeah, and and um, at first we we honestly didn't know how long we would be able to keep it up like that. We were just thinking, okay, let's use the jet, the jet lag and and start early for a week, and then 
most likely we'll start running late in the evening and then we have to get up uh, at a later time but um, somehow the first week went by and, and um, I got to camp every night before sunset and then I really realized that was giving me a yeah a mental boost every day and then we really pushed it on every day to to keep on that schedule and, and that worked really really well because um, yeah lately I've been working on a presentation and, and seeing some of the images of the PCT and then I still have that desperate feeling when I see uh, night shots of, of yeah struggles past midnight and then um, yeah nights where I slept like two or three hours uh, and, and big struggles all the time and so yeah this time it was a completely different story um, just because we could keep it on like that uh, from the beginning. Well the uh, one of the voters said quote kind of changed the game end quote I think that was correct and the AT uh, was the number three male FKT of the year two years ago and last year was the number one male FKT of the year and this year again, interesting. So the FKT is getting, I mean, the AT is getting a lot of attention, but it's a big mix. So, for example, we have you know, the Transion rim to rim to rim, really short, fast, hard efforts, plus coupled in with your longer effort. And so, I think the voters have come up with something fair. It's it's very diverse, but it's fair. Twenty two different people voted on this. I tabulate the results. And uh, they had you pretty solidly number one, I gotta say. Yeah, and and that's what makes it yeah even more valuable to me. I mean, those twenty-two people are are from the community. They know a lot about FKTs, and then to be voted by by them. Uh, I mean, a record on the AT doesn't come for nothing. It, it's it's been a year of training hell of a lot and, and finding out a, a way to make it happen. Um, so there's a lot of time and effort going into it. And then, yeah, to realize that, that the people from the community um, realize that as well, that, that it took a lot of effort to make it look easy, uh, as some say. Um, yeah, it, it does mean a lot to me. Yeah. I'm going to read what two voters, two other voters said, and any listener can uh, go on to the website um, and read this because we have a full article up on the website. One voter said, Carol had a great plan, experience, and simply did not have a bad day. People kept saying, he'll slow down in the White Mountains. But if anything, he sped up. Uh, I think that was true. And another one said, everyone seemed how shocked, seemed shocked at how fast this was, yet it was not shocking to Carl. He and his crew simply deconstructed what it would take to do it. I think those were perceptive comments. Yeah, um, and it was interesting, of course, uh, on the trail. I was also um, getting information on uh, the White Blaze forum uh, about what people were uh, talking about our uh, effort. And then for me, it was also, yeah, building up towards the whites because everybody was saying okay he's doing fine now but what about the whites and it was a nice yeah side uh, effort to to make like a statement like okay here's the whites and and um in two days i i gain another day of lead on the on the standing record 
Um, so that was a nice, um, yeah, interaction with with uh, the the forum as well. Uh, that was a uh, yeah, that was cool. And the and the weather in the whites was not good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, yeah, overall, we looked at it in a good way. Um, every time, yeah, it started raining and pouring down again, and and the trail was flooded. Uh, I was thinking, okay, um, the trail's flooded, but at least it's not, um, yeah, extremely hot or, or 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And then in the whites, um, the weather was pretty bad. But then I was like, okay, I do feel so alive at the moment with those wind gusts in my face and and the horizontal rain and and yeah, getting close towards the end. So so all of that made it uh, yeah very interesting and and made it feel like a real adventure. Well, I guess uh, calling horizontally driven rain very interesting is a classic FKT attitude. Uh, <laughs> it, it shows that your your attitude is really good to do this sort of thing. So I'll have to ask you, uh, what's next? What's coming up in 2019? Um, in 2019, I'm um, still figuring out what I'm going to do. Um, so it does take yeah like a huge amount of effort uh, to set an FKT on one of those uh, long trails. Um, and because I do um, have intention to uh, run the length of New Zealand um, in the summertime in New Zealand, which would be January uh, 2020, um, I feel like I wouldn't be sad if 2019 would be an easier year and, and I can take my time to further recover from uh, from the Appalachian Trail and then slowly starts working towards uh, the Tierra Roa Trail on New Zealand, which is over 2,000 miles as well. Um, but it, yeah, it takes a lot of time to recover mentally and, and be, um, be in or up for it again because yeah, most of my strength comes from my enthusiasm and just being happy to be out there. And if the FKT efforts come too quickly behind one another, then um, that element gets lost a bit and, and I would do less good, I think. The element of enthusiasm is key if you're going out for that length of time. Uh, well, Carl, this exactly. is uh, it's remarkable. So uh, the, you came over here, you did the PCT and the AT, and next up might be New Zealand, but you're going to give it over a year break. I can understand that. And I'm going to remind the listeners that you were on our previous podcast a couple months ago. And so if they want to hear more about you, just go back to that podcast. And on fastknowntime.com, there's uh, the article, which a little more details, comments from the voters and things like that. But for now, uh, I think you I think you deserved it. Uh, Two thousand one hundred eighty nine miles in forty one straight days. I think I don't think anyone would really question this. Um, question like no, I, being, I, I, uh, I think I think everyone would happily accept that this is the FKT of the year. Um, and I would be happy if if that is uh, what is accepted. Um, yeah. It took a lot of effort and, and we were really happy with the way things went. And, and um, there were some really nice FKTs uh, run this year as well uh, in the Grand Canyon. Uh, I've hiked there as well. And, and I know 
uh, that it's really difficult terrain to to get moving um, with the with the heat and everything. Um, so it's really an honor to to be FKT of the year. Well, thanks very much, Carol. Thanks for calling in. Congratulations again. Thank you, Buzz. That concludes our coverage of the Fastest Known Time of the Year Award. That was really fun. That was really interested. We counted down number five, four, three, two, and the winner of the Fastest Known Time of the Year. And again, this is all about building community. It's all about communicating with each other, being inspired by each other, and learning and growing. And no one actually wins anything except the respect of their peers, which, of course, is very important. I also will give you a hot tip. We're working on the fastest known time of the year award for Europe. So hopefully in early February, we'll be announcing something on that. Uh, We have voters lined up for Europe and it is taking place in Europe anyway. So we might as well bring the award uh, over the ocean as well. Thank you again for listening. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.